Welcome to The Drop, Stab's weekly news-based podcast. My name is Danny Johnson and we had a few trial runs of this show a couple of months back, but this time it's here to stay and The Drop will be released every Thursday evening in the US, every Friday morning in Australia and either myself or potentially someone else will be covering the week in surf and also what's going on at Stab between our contributors There'll still be the cast with Mikey Samarella and Stace Galbraith, as well as Mick Fanning's Unplugged interview series that will share this channel. So stay tuned. And with that housekeeping out of the way, there's been a lot happening this week in the world of surf. We're coming off a huge swell in Hawaii. And then the first ever Digital Vans Triple Crown of Surf winners were announced. John John and Carissa took that down. And then on top of that, there's just been a hell of a lot going on in the world of Stab itself. First and foremost, Stab in the Dark with Taj Burrow. People typically love Stab in the Dark, but this iteration starring Taj Burrow, I feel like has had more buzz than any of them. People have been really excited to see him star in this film, which is now a four-part series. And so if you haven't got yourself a Stab subscription to Stab Premium, then it's about time you did. Now's as good a time as ever to do it because next month the documentary, what's sort of like a documentary slash surf film, Andy Irons and the Radicals, which is all kinds of unseen footage of Andy in his youth and, and interviews with everyone that knew him best, kind of talking about documenting that period of his life when he was just loose and young and, and so raw. And some of the, some of the clips that have they've found themselves into that film are – Pretty mind-blowing. It's, it's amazing how much his surfing hasn't aged over the years. It's still just as brutal. So subscribe to that premium. There's a couple of episodes of Stab in the Dark starring Taj Burrow. And let's hear what he had to say for himself now that the project's all wrapped up. Hey, mate, you got me? Yeah, gotcha. How are you? Hey, Danny. Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. What's going on in your world? Oh, fuck. Just had to do a day run at Perth, which is a bit of a punish. But, um, you know, the old ears are growing over with surfers here, so I had to get it stuffed out. Oh, no. Yeah, probably time to dive in and get get them drilled out. I've already done it once. Fuck, it's a punish. Oh, that's heavy. I've heard it's really brutal, like the recovery. Yeah, it's pretty shit. I mean, yeah, it's like five or six weeks, I think. I'm trying to find some prick that'll do both at once so I don't have to do 12 weeks. Oh, is that no, what? Do they not? Do they not normally do that? No, nah, they don't normally do it just because of, I guess, if there's any complications. At least you've still got one good ear, and if um, and the, you're completely blocked up afterwards with like gauze and bullshit. So yeah, they don't normally like people to be completely deaf for you know a couple of weeks. Yeah, but I'm right. kind of willing to do it just to shorten the recovery period. Yeah, I, I would. I'd be on the same program if I was you. Surely there's some West Australian mad doctor that will get in there yeah oh yeah sure it's pretty bloody common over here so i think i've found one guy that'll that'll do it what i was going to do with this interview is is chuck it up on we're going to start doing a weekly podcast again so i was just going to throw it straight on there if that's cool with you just so you know you're being recorded oh okay no worries you know when you get um told that you're being recorded every time you talk to any i don't know company or whatever (laughs) i figured i figured like uh i better give you that same uh courtesy yeah, sweet mate. Thanks. Yeah, what what were your first thoughts when you were hit up for stab in the dark? Oh, whether I can surf good enough, I'd say, was probably the first thing that crossed my mind. Um, kind of recreational. I'm a bit of a recreational surfer these days, so I don't <laughs> don't really focus on my performance like I used to. So I was just wondering if I could hold people's attention for you know a whole 
you know, episode of Stab in the Dark. So that made me a little bit nervous. But um, but then I just figured, yeah, it's kind of cool having, you know, a bit of a goal. Like in the past, I've always had a contest coming up. So you've got that goal to look after yourself a bit better and, you know, surf and train and stretch and eat good food and, and try and surf, you know, decent. Yeah. And were you surprised that you weren't hit up sooner? Because you've been so aligned with Stab and you've been in so many, so many projects over the years from the like multiple helicopter shoots and then a million other concept shoots. And there was even a rumor floating around for a bit that you were a part owner of Stab for ages um, back in the day. Yeah, so. I heard that one. <laughs> yeah. So was it surprising that you didn't get hit up sooner? Oh, I don't know. I didn't really think of that. I mean, yeah, the other guys with, you know, Stab's already done have been very fitting and yeah, I never really, yeah, no, that didn't cross my mind. <laughs> it, um, yeah, I think it was, it was, it was good timing for sure. Yeah. Okay. And is it something you want to do or is it, is it something that just sounds like grueling? Like I know you said that you like the idea of, of, um, a challenge or, 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 or a goal, but like, is the idea yeah. of, of, you know, testing that many boards sound like fun or does it sound sound like a nightmare? Fun for sure because new boards are fucking amazing. It's so fun getting new boards. Um, you know, but if I got 13 boards just to ride in my own time, it'd probably be more enjoyable. Uh, um, you know, having the, the cameras and a bit of a, a timeline puts a bit of pressure on. Um, I was kind of taking it a bit serious at the start, like, fuck, how am I going to whittle this down and get, you know, an honest winner out of it? Um, in just like, you know, three or four weeks or whatever. I love new boards, so that, that's the fun part, absolutely. And have you watched the first episode? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it's cool. What, um, what sort of things are running through your mind when, you, when you're watching it back? Um, oh, I'm just thinking what a great job you guys did in there, really, because it was pretty entertaining and it was, you know, it was fun to watch. Um, I don't, you know, I, I know we gave Dill so much fucking footage and I just could imagine <laughs> what a grueling job it was. Yeah, Dill's been, Dill's been um, you know, late nights just uh, attached to the computer chair for, for weeks now. It's pretty, it's pretty brutal process for him, but he's, yeah, he smashed it. I've just got to get petty. Can we um, just got to pull over? Um, I'll chat to you in a Yeah, second. I'll text you when I'm ready. Okay, sounds Five good. Five Sweet. Yeah, man. Hey, you got me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. All right. Next question. One of the things I wanted to know is, like, one of the most anticipated sections in Stab in the Dark is always when the featured surfers are trying to guess the board and, and Mick nailed it. He almost got perfect. Dane and Geordie weren't that great. Julian actually set the standard and was pretty close. Uh, and yeah. then And then you got a big fat zero. <laughs> sure did. Oh, mate, that's hard. I had no confidence going into that even before I saw the board. As we know, some surfers are better at this game than others. Well done to the other boys, especially Mick, for nailing those, those selections in the past. I just can't even believe it. <laughs> this is just for theatre because I don't have a fucking clue who any of them are. That looks like a tow board. Stretch, Timmy Patterson, Hanley, DHD, Sharp Eye, Luke Short, Chili, Mayhem, JS, Mayhem. <laughs> I don't know, I can't even think of that many shapers. Pizel, sorry, Vampire, 
That's all I got for you. So even if they weren't wrapped in dark arts construction, you don't think you would, would have been able to identify the shapers? Fuck, no chance. <laughs> I got no idea. What is that? What like Julian, uh, Mick, and then the other guys could do it to some extent. Are they just picking up boards and studying them, um, you know, all the time? And and you don't do that, or, or what's the difference? I'd love to tell you. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, the construction might have made it harder. I could have picked a couple, maybe. I know a few characteristics of certain shapers, but no, I don't know. I don't know how those guys did that well. That was really impressive. And when you pick up a board and you feel it on your arm and, and you spend some time looking at it, how often are you wrong about how, how you thought it would go when you actually surf the board? Oh, yeah, pretty much every time. I mean, you know, it's the best looking board under your arm. It's like so often kind of doesn't go as good as you think it might look. <laughs> um, I feel like I get a bit of an indication when I'm paddling the board. You can kind of tell it feels nice through the water. Um, but under the arm, you know, if I've got two boards and I think one looks better under my arm than the other, um, you know, the other one kind of more often will be the better one. So, right. yeah, who knows? So you can't, you can't really tell in any certain way when you're looking at a board. It's just... It's just... I, I don't think so. I mean, you can sometimes maybe pick a complete dog but um yeah you know with 13 world-class shapers you, you know you think yeah they're all going to be decent um yeah it's hard to really tell under your arm what i'm trying to say yeah for sure and is it when you get in the water and you're surfing uh aboard for the first time is there a one is there one particular turn that gives you better feedback than any others roundhouse cutty for sure really yeah good old-fashioned roundhouse is probably the one obviously you get an indication of the board's drive and then you get an indication of how it kind of hits the lip when you're bashing the rebound. So kind of that manoeuvre where you get a nice roundy and you're thinking it's a pretty good board. Oh, you also talk to the boards. Like, is, is, <laughs> like it's, it, it was blowing us away when we were watching a few of the early cuts and you're there uh, looking down at the board under your arm and, and just talking to it like it's a human. Is that something you've always done? I don't really know, mate. I didn't really notice that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just um, more so paying respects to the shapers that put so much love and care into those boards. I don't, don't want to ditch them to the curb immediately without giving them a good go. So I guess I'm indirectly talking to the shaper. Did, did you have an approach coming in? Like, are you, like you're pretty candid and you, and you speak really well, but... You know, you've seen Stab in the Darks and you've seen Geordie who is just really loose-lipped and then you've seen someone like Mick who's at the opposite end where he's, he's really pretty diplomatic and, 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 and sort of um, sensitive to shapers' feelings. Like, did you, did you think about that coming into the, to, to the shooting of it? Oh, not really. I mean, the only thing I, I was taking into consideration is that I just wanted to try every board well enough to give it good report on it it's a pretty bizarre concept just having a board you have no idea what it is and it's just the most genuine genuine opinion of a board because you, there's nothing no stigma attached to it no you don't know the shapers or anything about it so it's, it's pretty unique because when i found out you know a couple of ones i ditched early i was like wow really mm. 
Maybe I should try them again. <laughs> it's meant to be a double-blind study, but because people have identified the boards in the past, that it hasn't really been exactly like that. But yours was the first one that was complete yeah. double-blind study. That's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get across. Yeah, because I had no idea which any of them are, so it was completely honest. You know, winner and you know, process. Yeah, totally. And um, I was loving those scenes with you in the garage there and um, you were talking through all your boards and your relationship with previous shapers. And it, it just made me think, like, given what you know now and, um, and you know, and reflecting in that state, is there anything you'd do differently with your boards if you could start your career over again? Uh, I don't think so. If anything, I think boards looked better back then, you know, in the earlier 2000s with a bit of length. Maybe a bit harder to ride boards that were so, you know, kind of longish and narrowish. But um, these, they just look good. Surfing just looked better to me back then. Yeah, the way, the, way, the way people would throw spray and, and just how yeah. nicey they were, yeah. Yeah, I kind of really like that look. Yeah, it's um, funny. You can feel like you're ripping on a shorter, flatter, wider board, but yeah. it never looks as good, does it? No, nah, it doesn't look good for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for it, though. Like, I've got, you know, my boards are like... I've got a lot of five sixes and five sevens that are just, you know, fun little boards, and uh, I can't get off them because it is fun. But if I was, you know, competing or wanting to look particularly good on a wave, I think the length is way better. So you swap shapers every, say, three or four years. I think you had four major shaping relationships that are explored within the film. Why? Why did you change it up so much? As good as your relationship is, and you, you could be getting perfect boards for some with, with someone. Um, it's always nice to try something new and uh, it might give you, a, you know, some kind of feel that you, you really are attracted to and that'll make, if it's good enough, it'll make you, you know, jump ship onto a new shaper. It seems like, like Maurice Cole and Greg Weber are pretty eccentric characters and then even Biolis and never really interesting people as well. Were you, yeah. were you drawn to the, to the, the maniacs of surf? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe Maybe I wasn't aware of that, but I could have been. Um, <laughs> or maybe all shapers are just a little bit, a little bit yeah. uh, colourful in their in their thinking. Yeah, shapers are kind of a lot like the photographers. There's not many normal ones there. <laughs> 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 Do you think? Oh You're man, I, I, to, I have that conversation <laughs> all the time with people. It's there. That's two very interesting um, archetypes of human. All right, and um, last question. What's, what's the first board you rode once the whole shoot was over? Oh, the winner, of course. Oh, it was? <laughs> the winner was obviously the one I was kind of most attracted to and, you know, when it was done, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to ride this thing. We also have Stab Surfer of the Year running at the moment with the results to be released in a couple of days. And this is the third iteration where Stab has tried to crown the surfer of the year and the way it works is that we poll 50 of the most influential voices in surf and get them to list the top five female and male performers of the year and as well as that the best junior and then the best film or best edit of the year last year italo won um with carissa and the year before that it was italo again with steph so uh, this year, without a world title, it's it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see who takes it down. And to me, there's just no better accolade than having best surfers in the world decide who's the very best surfer in the world. And that's how Stab Surfer of the Year 
works. And there's been other iterations of, of these types of shows in the past, but I mean, Surfer Magazine's Surfer Poll, while it was a nice awards show and it was a great night, it, because it was audience judged, it just, like, I mean, I mean, Atlanta Blanchard won in 2018. <laughs> Um, Pointing that out, that's not a criticism of Alana because she rips and she's extremely, extremely popular. But is she a better surfer than Steph and Carissa? Um, You be the judge. And if you voted in the year that she won the surfer poll, then I guess you voted yes. Or maybe their competition wasn't about that. Maybe it was simply about popularity. Either way, the stab surfer of the year is a lot better. It's a more impressive accolade in my eyes because it's a peer poll. It's the peers deciding amongst themselves who the best surfer of the year is and but it's not flawless either there's been a few biased entries that i've noticed i've actually written down a little list here of all the all the, all the biased entries that i wanted to call out firstly bronte mccauley who put for fifth place on the women's side she chose her sister laura mccauley who I'd never even heard of, but I quickly found out that she had surfs. She surfs the right, which is one of the world's most psycho slabs in Western Australia. So I guess that one, while biased, is credible on some level. Parker Coffin put Connor Coffin as number five, and the number five spot seems to be the most biased across all the surfers' list. Connor Coffin put Parker in at number four on his list, so he gave him an extra little bump. Sierra Kerr put her dad as number one. Um, Crosby and Griffin put each other in their list, which um, that's, I guess that's fair and that's not all that suspicious because they were in a lot of people's top five. Coco Ho put her brother Mason at number one, which no one's going to argue with because how could you? And then in return, Mason put Coco at number one. And then on top of that, Mason even put his dad at number one, Michael Ho on the men's side. And I guess these are all understandable choices. Like you don't want to be looking across the dinner table and seeing that facial expression that says, why didn't you put me in your top five? Uh, like that's a, that's a long year to experience that at every, every single family gathering. So I get, the, I get the, the allure of nepotism when we see these top five entries. Michael February put Geordie in his list. Uh, and that's, it's hard to argue that Geordie is in the top five surfer of the year in regards to his talent and definitely potential. But what has he done this year? And I'm not saying that to imply that he hasn't done anything. I'm seriously asking, what has he done? I haven't been on the, in the mix of Geordie Smith. I'm going to look at his Instagram right now, actually. All right. We've got Geordie Smith, 88, the blue tick, lots of stills of him getting barreled, photo of his beautiful wife, cute baby. Does Geordie Smith know you can put videos on Instagram? I feel like that feature's been around for a while now. And then, all right, here we go. Video of Geordie Smith loading a jet ski with Mikey February. So there's your bias. And then, I mean, they're probably best friends. And then, oh, there you go. There's a video of him blowing the back out of a few waves. So, yeah, story checks out. Geordie, top five, he's ripping. And then, okay, Grant Twiggy Baker, South African charger. He chose Matt McGilray uh, in his fifth spot. And he wrote, Matt is all heart and his power surfing is the future. If he gets a chance this year... He'll be top 10 material. And he said top 10 material and then chucked him in at fifth, which is blatantly exposing his bias there. And then there's the most biased of all, 
not necessarily wrong in any way, but definitely the most biased of all the participants. All the participants so far was Jack Robinson, who put himself at numero uno. And Jack said, so this is Jack voting himself as the number one surfer of the year. Um, Jack said, I didn't put too many clips out because I'm saving them for snap four, but we had a pretty crazy winter in WA and I did the best surfing of my life. I also won Surf 100. That's a good note. And have been having a fun Hawaii season. So, I mean, voting yourself number one, I feel like that might rub some people the wrong way, but I love that Jack isn't being like a typical tall poppy syndrome Australian who's scared to to like back himself. I mean, it's pretty mellow in regards to front. It's not exactly Conor McGregor level of front, but it's still just nice to see him keep things entertaining by uh, by putting him in, putting himself in at number one. Australians are normally so reluctant to to back themselves. We have this thing called tall poppy where anyone who's, ex- who's succeeding or anyone who's you know trying really hard is kind of like torn down by everyone else around them. So it it can it can make people just as a broad cultural thing, it can make people a little bit reluctant to try or put their neck out. But it doesn't seem like Jack's got too much of that in him. He's actually been spending a, a shitload of time in Hawaii and hanging out with Hawaiian. So maybe that's rubbing off their confidence and 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 their approach to to backing themselves in um, and, and not being not being afraid to do it. Jack Jack actually, I don't know if anyone remembers this but he did a little post-it interview a while back during the sunset comp the comp that he actually qualified in and there was even a little a few people noticed there was a little bit of american accent slipping in there you're on the 2020 championship tour yeah we're ready either way good to see that he backed himself to win the thing and the results will be released tomorrow i think depending on when you're listening to it it might already be out the final count for who the official stab surfers of the year are, as well as best junior and the best edit. Of course, the, Jack actually wasn't the only one to vote himself number one. Jacob ZK also voted himself as number one, but no one cared because he's a self-promoting Muppet. And I guess people just expected that of him. What else happened this week? Today, there was the release of Rip Curl and Tom Curran's new film, Free Scrubber, and holy shit sauce, it's good. If you've already seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. It's a 56-year-old just who is still one of the most entertaining surfers in the world, and the edit is actually one of the most creative and inspired approaches we've seen in a long time. It's actually done by one of my good buddies, Vaughn Blakey who you might know from the Ain't That Swell podcast or a million other things. And I'm actually going to try and give him a little dial-up right now and see if we can get him to talk about the film. Danny Johnson. Forty. How you going, bro? Good, man. How you doing? I'm uh, real good. I'm just sitting with uh, Hazza. How you going, mate? Man, I'm good. Hey, I just watched Free Scrubber. Oh, did you like it? It's fucking incredible. I, in, I just instantly decided it was my new favourite surf film. Ah, oh, sick. I'm stoked you like it. That's a big one. That's a big tick. Yeah. It, That's a big... It's, it's one, of the, one, of the, one of the opinions I was sweating the most on, to tell, tell you the truth. Oh, it's if. Oh, it's so up my alley. I fucking love it. it everything about it is, uh, is next level. <laughs> yeah, sick, man. Hey, I'm, I'm actually recording you right now. For a, for a stab podcast that we're doing, so. Oh, awesome. You're not going to use that first bit because 
is going to hate me. I'll chop, I'll chop that. I'll chop that for sure. Let's talk about the film because, yeah, I don't know. I remember when you and Pollitt were getting towards the end and you were just fizzing about it and that's the exact mm. opposite of how you normally are at the end of a project. Normally you're just hating it or you're having an existential crisis <laughs> on some level. And then, yeah. and then, but this one just felt good, huh? It did, but uh, all of that kicked in this morning when I knew it was about to go live. Yeah, right. I was fully shitting myself because I just, I just realised that Karen is one of those characters who is just mythologised to the point where he's almost not human. Mm. Like he's almost, uh, he's almost like ethereal or something. Like he's, he's just a, a spirit, not to be torn down or made fun of or messed with in any way, shape, or form. And I was just like, oh my god, hang on a minute. We've got a song called The Egg Song in this movie talking about being poached and fried. And, you know, he, he's like clearly like having some uh, uh, moments during the early stages of the COVID lockdown that everyone was feeling where your kind of grip on reality is sort of strong at times and then not so strong at others. <laughs> just saying like I just got to the end of it. Like just this morning I was going, oh, my God, have I – have we committed a sin here? But then I just realised that he's just being him. He's just Tom being Tom and it's just a side of him that hasn't really been showcased all that much. I've got a feeling he's always been like this. Yeah, well, that's the thing because I feel like his mystique and he's just all that quirk and he's like he's just this enigma and it's talked about so much but it's never really been captured ever before, mm. I don't think. Like how, why, yeah, why was he so comfortable on camera? Why was he the current that's just so celebrated, all that personality just – coming out in such abundance i think uh and well first of all full credit to andy potts the photographer who filmed it all like hey it was just one guy one drone and that's it the whole thing is just just you know this this uh filmer who is clearly just such a cruiser and someone who tom could feel comfortable around uh i thought when i watched all the footage like unedited i was just like man this is some of the best, like, anything I've ever seen. It was just so interesting uh, to watch Tom like that on land. With, uh, Wrigley's Experiment aluminum foil for better reception. And then the surf, and you just reminded yourself just of how, you know, amazing it was. But, um, yeah, I think the main reason, mate, is just because, I, like, I, I get the feeling Tom doesn't particularly enjoy being lauded or celebrated all that much and he just likes being on his own program and doing his own things and being interested in what he's interested in and sort of being allowed to just have time to just bury himself in his own passions and his own world and it just feels like once COVID hit and everyone apparently you know got either kicked out or moved on from that area where they were filming um they they stayed and it was just them there's a couple of other people around, but I heard the military were like fully getting all the gringos and rounding them up and sending them back over the border. And, uh, all these, you know, the Tom and bugs and, uh, and Andy, I think they got stuck there and that environment kind of allowed Tom, you know, with no one else around to completely just open up and be himself. Yeah. That's my theory. He There's was, no proof of that. Andy yeah. would know better than I know. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, how many phone calls can I make? This is, this is going to yeah. have to be it. But no, what, mate, no, no. Lazy journalism is always the best journalism. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I feel like Karen's always like really unfiltered 
And but he was just it was just he was like that more than ever. And Rip Curl's marketing is all about the search, right? And that's their mm-hmm. that's what their company's all about. And he just felt no obligation to toe the company line in any way when he's he's being asked about it. He's just I don't really have any sort of searching left to do. I'm old. I'm just actually I could take the search sticker off because uh, it gets boring after a while. It's like too. Barrel, shiny layer. Ah. Most people like try and pretend they don't give a fuck, but he somehow just genuinely doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, man. I'm, I actually don't know Tom at all. My whole, whole contribute. I think with um, in the total making of this entire project, I spoke to him once or twice on the phone to tell him what I was going to do with the footage. And he was like, yeah, bend it. He, like I said, I want to make something really abstract. I want to bend this out of shape. And he was like, bend it. Bend it out as far as you want. And so I just went sick. You know, like I just wanted, I wanted to like bring in all these, uh, I don't know, I, they're sort of more like vehicles to just showcase how fruity it was getting over there. It's a fucking masterpiece. And in saying that actually, um, Taylor Paul hit me up the other day because I think you owe Stab a story on... I do. (laughs) I actually have written it. And uh, the main thing that I was writing when I was writing it, I just realized just I was going to take one thing away. Any any really good project, this is the way I work. It's definitely not true for everyone, but I I feel like collaboration is the absolute best thing for anyone because... That's my third movie, Rip Curl movie with Nick. You and I have worked on a couple that I'm super proud of. And I just feel like if you've got a good team with you, all the way from the dude shooting it, because obviously I don't really pick up a camera. I haven't picked up a camera since Dope Youth. Dope Youth. Lemmy, what do you fucking think? Hated it. Complete and utter unwatchable shit. Everyone you work with, if, if they are all on the same page and everyone is sort of free to have their say and you're open-minded enough to listen then you can pretty much make something really good that was how i felt about um postcards with morgues that was terrifying making that and yeah another class turned out all right i yeah. don't know why you're giving all this away right now you could be just jotting it down and getting paid for it but um, yeah I'll, well I'll hopefully, I'll, hopefully i will get paid if i ever send it in to taylor <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Well, what else? I mean, tell to me about his surfing because I feel like there's there's nothing about current surfing that's relatable because he's current and um, mm. but there is something about the lines he draws that it's really inspiring. Like, do you think that's why there's been such amazing and such a positive response from it that he's just to see current back on regular boards drawing incredible lines again? Uh, every board in the film is a twenty. I'm almost positive about that, and uh, that's not totally regular. I, I would imagine that he's um, been working on that for a while. I know he's got like a couple of new board models coming out with Channel On, so that to me sounds fully exciting. I'm pumped on that. But uh, in relation to his surfing, I think the main thing is that so much of what we watch is just adrenaline-fueled or, you know, as big as you can go. Like everything's about being big, barring, you know, your Torrin Martin clips and, and your sort of, not mid-length, but, you know, like clips where guys are um, experimenting with boards and trying to make something beautiful, which I get a lot of enjoyment out of. But 
most of what you get on Instagram and, and big clip releases is just about like hitting the section, getting big pits, linking them all together. And it's just like endless uh, turbo machismo. And uh, I just think that uh, when you watch Karen surfing three foot points, you're just looking at this guy who is never in the wrong place on a wave. He like stands up, looks perfect, and just poise, balance, rhythm. Everything is just so obvious without him actually even moving. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking bizarre, man. And the agility and like, too. Like what about – The agility, his, 100%. Like even that clip 100%. at the end, of the end of the film, like he, there's a couple of roundhouses where he just compresses and bangs the lip in the tightest little pocket mm. so well. But then at the end of the film, he jumps onto a moving truck like, like a 14-year-old. And yeah. He's, it's just amazing. Oh, man, the agility is the biggest advertisement for just being surf fit. Like, you can just tell that guy surfs his brains out. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's frame and stuff. He, he is, like, as green-boned as he was when he was 16. Like, it just doesn't look like wear and tear has had any effect on him whatsoever. And I don't know. I just I just feel like when I was watching the raw footage, you know, unedited, no music, uh, no sound either because the drone doesn't pick up any. And it was just like – it's like watching uh, an hourglass or something. It's just this sort of hypnotic – beautiful uh yeah i don't know rhythm it was just just really really fun to watch man i was like i was just going wow this is just re it, it basically was like an alarm clock or a reimagining of like how how we should all approach surfing yeah because yeah. i was like man i just i need to actually just paddle out and go straight for a while and just watch the wave and just put myself in the pocket more often and i don't know just simplify that's what it kind of made me realise. Simple yeah. is much, much more fun and way better. Well said. Mm. And has Tom mm. has Tom seen the film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say he gave it a glowing review, <laughs> but then again, <laughs> really? but oh, actually, uh, I didn't. He didn't. I wrote him. So yeah, what I was going to say was we uh, we had like very two combos, and then uh, we were talking back and forth about him. He did that jazzy track. That's yep. his music on the um, sort of the bigger day. And, uh, yeah, I, he sort of sent me the text. Uh, we were waiting around for about two months for it. And he finally sent it in. He went, here's the song. It might be out of tune. That was <laughs> his feedback. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, sick. And, and what did you think of the movie? And I, I never heard back from him. So that was his review. Oh, so the, he totally ghosted you? He kind of did, but I just I didn't take it personal. Cause, no. That's almost an honour to, like... to be to be currened <laughs> by Curran. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think he might have been frothing on it because you know it's when it's if if we if I had sort of poked Tom Curran to a place where he was going, oh, I really don't like that. That's when I would have been right worried. Not saying anything. I think I'll take that as a quiet compliment. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if it's something about yourself, like he can't just watch it in the same way anyone else can. He's seeing himself. So if he loves, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like if you get a haircut and then you're sitting there going, wow, this looks amazing. Well done. Great haircut. It's really hard to compliment the hairdresser without sounding like a, a dickhead. You know what I mean? It's just loving their own head. Uh, yeah, that's true. Very so, true. I mean, it might be hard for him to say he loves it, but I'm sure, I'm sure he does. I'll tell you one thing I was stoked about. When I rang up uh, Joe Tapel. I didn't tell him anything about what I was going to do with his voice. <laughs> really? Tom Curran, 
emerges from the white water. <laughs> he just handed it over. He handed it over, and I'm so stoked he did because I think that's one of my favourite bits in the whole movie. It's unbelievable. That is such a good cameo. Uh, we won't spoil <laughs> it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but yeah. far out, that was funny. Yeah, well, big love to Joe because um, yep. I love him to death. And he also, like, just, yeah, he was so cool to just hand that over not knowing anything. All right, man. Well, I think that's all I got. Is there anything else about this flick that is worthy of a mention? Um, oh, geez, just that it was just the funnest thing in the world to make and that um, Nick Pollitt and Andy Potts pretty much deserve all of the credit because uh, it's, just, it's just awesome. I just love that a 57-year-old bloke can release a clip about surfing that everyone gets absolutely frothing on. Thing on, 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 That is it. That is this episode done. If you have any ideas, suggestions or hate mail for the show, please send it through to danny at rollingyouth.com. That's D-A-N-N-Y. And we'll see you next week. We ready?